0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The featured films this week are No Retreat, No Surrender and The Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
1: Dad, oh shit. Um, so someone just posted the pictures of the thing Marvel has announced they're releasing the first 22 movies in a box set. Oh, really? Called the Infinity Saga. And it just—it looks, yeah, it looks ginormous.
2: I kind of want it.
1: Yeah, me too. And I have pretty much all the movies in one form or another, but see, I don't.
2: Mhm. I was about to start. I was like, like, um, about to start buying them, and then that's when they announced their streaming service. Ah.
1: And I'm like, maybe I'll hold off and just get. If the streaming service associate your, your need to rewatch them with that at least for a while? Yeah, but... Considering, uh... It's gonna be pretty cheap if they even let you Canadians have it.
2: I'll drive across the border with this <laughs> shit. You'll
1: drive up to the border with your laptop in the car and just try to steal someone's Wi-Fi so you can watch it. <laughs> oh.
2: I don't, I don't know what the rules are on that if I parked in Canada but if I can grab my wifi from the states would it recognize my I
1: don't know
2: we used to have that problem with cell phones around here is occasionally you'd get like hit with a charge cause you were too close to the border and they'd think that your uh, phone drifted into the other country you have to call them up and be like I didn't actually leave the country I live in that day I don't know what you guys are thinking
1: <laughs> no it clearly says right here <laughs> And you're like, but I wasn't. And they're like, oh, sorry about that. We'll take that right off.
2: Yeah, no, our telemarketers are also in India when we call them. So we have that same issue you guys have. Gotcha.
1: Anybody else been having a, uh, being inundated with spam calls lately?
2: I actually have been. I
1: don't know. What the fuck happened? Well, like, I'd get one every once in a while. And it was kind of like, eh, whatever. That's a... Mild annoyance, but I pretty much have a have a thing where I just don't answer the phone if I don't recognize the number anyway. Um, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one day, I started getting spam stuff. Not only like spam phone calls, but spam text messages.
2: Spam text messages. That's a new one. Although, yeah, just, I, I've heard of it happening.
1: But. Yeah, I was just sitting here, and all of a sudden, within like two minutes, I got three like right in a row about, Hey, we can get you a better quote on your... your health insurance or some bullshit and then right after that my phone started blowing up for like half an hour straight and it's been that way just about ever since like i'll get at least four or five spam text messages just about every weekday and uh just get blown up with phone calls so i don't know what list i got on but jesus christ it's fucking annoying my buddy
2: got one the other day that said like oh your your bank card Needs to be reactivated or something. Click this link, and he's like, "I don't like banks text you, do they?" <laughs> like, no, no, they
1: don't. <laughs> don't
2: click that link. <laughs> it's like, but I imagine they get they get a lot of people clicking those links just instinctively, right?
1: Yeah, it's
3: well. Yeah. The, I was gonna say the funniest thing is if you think about it. So if only one in like thirty five thousand people clicked on it, they can just spam it to way more people than that. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I know the uh, the one that they keep calling about your uh, your car warranty. Those mm-hmm. I've actually started answering the phone and I'll just talk to them for a really long time. And then whenever they start talking about the car, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I've got a, a Honda Civic that has three hundred thirty five thousand miles on it. So uh, pretty sure the warranty's void at this point. And then they're like, well, then why the fuck did you have this whole thing? And I was like, because fuck you. <laughs> That's why.
1: Yeah, see, I don't answer the phone a lot of times with people that I do want to talk to. So, people I really don't want to talk to, I'm definitely not answering.
2: Yeah, I figure if if no picture shows up, if I don't don't recognize the human being that shows up (laughs) on my phone when it rings, I probably don't need to answer. No. So, I did used to get, when I first got my phone, I got tons of text messages for the previous person who had the number. And so occasionally I would just start responding to those
1: because <laughs> I would just have
2: fun with it. I just
1: yeah. Be- so you think that, but be careful because I started, I got text from some guy once looking for some girl. I don't know. And I kept telling him like, dude, you got the wrong number. She's not here. And he kept apologizing. And I was like, no problem. Don't worry about it. And then out of, out of nowhere, I get a dick pic from him and I'm like, dude, not cool. <laughs> And then he never <laughs> he never uh never texted me again. Which is I had good. A, Still.
2: I knew a guy once that got a new phone and they don't tell you who had the previous, the phone mm. number previous to you, but it, people kept calling and wanting to have sexual intercourse in exchange for money. So he's pretty sure somebody had the number before him that was using it for nefarious purposes and it just got recycled. But it went on for like months. Like whoever it was must have been very good at what they did because people kept calling.
1: Well, you say nefarious purposes. I say well, I say business opportunities that the government doesn't want people to have. But yeah. I
2: don't, I don't want to get into a whole rubber Kraft <laughs> discussion here. <It's- laughs>
1: Uh, um, so Noah, would you say that that maybe we're being bullied by telemarketers uh, or spam callers? I, I don't know. Maybe
2: that means Noah really likes it because he got he had so much fun with the bullying movies last week that he's making us watch more bullying movies. <laughs> <laughs> Because he just loved last week's movie so much, (laughs) he couldn't. He's just like, I got to see more of that.
1: Uh, I just
3: just needed movies that
2: had
1: like likable people in them. Well, you're half right.
2: Are there likable people in any of these movies? Not really. Miyagi, I guess, is like. I was,
3: I was getting ready to say, Pat fucking Marita, go fuck yourself.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: We'll get into that. Don't you worry. Uh, but Noah, why don't why don't you start us off by telling us about No Retreat, No Retreat, No Surrender, and apparently, uh, and how apparently, Van Dam actually kicked some dude in the face by accident in this movie.
3: So No Retreat, No Surrender is uh, a movie made by a guy who saw the Karate Kid while high and then <laughs> forgot about it and tried <laughs> to remake it.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, you. You haven't even brought up any of the supernatural elements of this movie. Oh, Jesus <laughs>
3: Christ. I'm getting to it. So, there's a kid whose daddy is a, a karate instructor, and a kid thinks that he's pretty cool, and he's got a super big uh, kung fu boner for uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, there are some evil mob guys that somehow their entire mob enterprise is contingent on. <laughs> making deals and extorting karate
2: dojos? It's not fully fleshed out.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, so they show up and they they you know try to extort the dad. He's like, no, you can't extort me. I've got class. And they're like, well, then we're going to beat the shit out of you. And then two guys try to beat the shit out of him, and it doesn't go well. And then Jean-Claude Van Damme comes in from seemingly nowhere and beats the holy shit out of him. Uh... They move to another town because his dad's a bitch.
2: <laughs> I just thought his dad got into grunge because they moved to Seattle.
3: Right. I think the whole that's the whole lesson of this movie is sometimes your dad's a bitch.
2: Uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to the lessons in this movie.
3: So, so they move out there. Uh, he becomes friends with this kid who is some kind of a weird racial stereotype of like a B-boy. Is is that what they were going for?
2: I'm not sure. I know that, I know that he sees a black kid and just immediately tosses that kid a bla- uh, basketball so that that kid can show off for about 10 minutes <laughs> before wandering into his garage of a guy he's never met before. And then randomly break dancing for another 10 minutes. That's a <laughs> introduction to that character.
3: Right. So, so, uh, uh, Bruce Lee Dork and uh, B-Boy Dork are being harassed by this cartoonish, morbidly obese...
1: Poor poor man's Francis from Pee-Wee's Big Adventure.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's Francis from Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, He decides he's going to retake up karate and get all kung-fu-y again. Goes to the school. It turns out that Fat Kid is part of a Cabal gang of karate ruffians that are also rich kid snobs, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that doesn't go well for him. We're introduced to his love interest, who is literally brought in through like exposition. (laughs) They're like, No, we met each other at camp years ago, and (laughs) we live in the same town. Of course, we're dating. Uh, so so g- he goes over to her house turns out that her brother is the master of the evil rich kid dojo uh, rich kids are at the party you know they make him look stupid or something I don't and he right, wanders
2: through the food in yeah. a cartoonish '80s fight. Yeah,
3: he gets he gets beaten up, and then uh, he goes off to cry like a little bitch because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> uh, he goes home to his dad, who his dad's like, "Hey, quit fighting them boys. I thought I grew you up to be a bitch." And he's like, "But I don't want to be a bitch." And he's like, "You be a bitch." <laughs> this is. This is our my father was a bitch, and his father was a bitch, and you're gonna be a little bitch
1: from a long line of bitches. You're gonna fall in line.
3: Um, so after getting in that fight, he decides to take all of his kung fu slash jeet kundo slash karate gear out and hide it in a strange abandoned house that B boy dork has access to. He's basically like gonna kung fu train in a crack den. And then he meets the ghost of Bruce Lee. <laughs> who, <laughs>
1: who, who really looks nothing like Bruce Lee.
3: Nope, yeah, not even looks, close. Yeah, who looks nothing like but, Bruce Lee, doesn't talk like Bruce Lee.
2: The good news is that the movie puts pictures of real Bruce Lee front and center several times, so you know that you know it looks nothing like him.
3: Right, right. They put them <laughs> right next
2: to each other. But I'm pretty sure the producers of this film just thought, ah, they're both Asian. People won't know the yeah. difference.
1: Now this apparently this guy did double Bruce Lee in the Game of Death movies, but okay, still looks absolutely not like D- if you full on see his face. You're just like that's not Bruce Lee.
2: Yeah, D- doubling is where they don't show your face, exactly. So that you don't have to look like the person,
3: exactly. Uh, so once again, Magic Bruce Lee Ghost is teaching him Jeet Kune Do, karate stuff. He's hitting wood stuff and and learning to kick really high. He gets to be able to kick high to not be a bitch no more. So the evil gangster guys show up to the new dojo. And uh, the owner of the dojo, the slash girlfriend's brother, decides that the only way to resolve it is to gamble his own place Against the mobsters in a karate tournament, you know, instead of going to the police, which, which <laughs> just anybody in this situation to really just do, you just go to the police. Flash forward, uh, we get about mm, 35 training montages or something like that. It's, it's a lot. There's a lot of montages
2: in the second half of this film. In- important to note not training for anything, he's just having training montages for the sake of training mm-hmm. montages.
1: Because he's not even fighting in this tournament, so...
2: No, he's not. Can, no, right. that's a completely separate storyline. He doesn't yeah. even know the tournament is happening.
3: Because it's only used for defense. After after all, that's what his dad and the ghost of Bruce Lee keep telling him. Uh, so the day of the tournament comes. Uh, big surprise. Not only are the bad guys' team not going to fight, they're only going to run with... Uh, the Russian, which is Jean Claude Van Damme's character, who once again we have not seen since the beginning of this movie because I think they could only afford to shoot
2: with him for like
3: three hours because the budget clearly was not
2: existent in this movie. Yeah, but this is pre anyone know who Jean Claude Van Damme is, right? So, right. He would have so, been like free basically to shoot with and they could still only afford him for two hours.
3: <laughs> so, Van Damme uh, kicks the holy piss out of all their guys. Uh, dojo master guy gets in, and he actually gets in a couple hits, which completely pisses off Van Dam, who now is like trying to fucking kill the guy. And in which I'm pretty sure, even if they, he was gambling, it, that dude got disqualified, so he gets to keep his dojo,
0: mm-hmm.
3: won well, the
1: tournament. Yeah, Van Dam just fucked it up completely.
3: Uh, but then uh, Karate Bitch gets into the ring. And uh, beats the beats the hell out of him. It's a it's a actually that that bit of the movie that fight sequence is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. And and basically he learns not to be a bitch, and his dad learns that sometimes you shouldn't be a bitch.
1: <laughs> dad, it, sometimes it's okay to fight. The the son had to teach the dad
2: this. <laughs> the, the the main moral message of this movie is a son teaching his dad that sometimes it's okay to kick people in the face that is the primary message of this and then the big fight sequence at the end is just a random climax that they tagged on to that because there's there's a little subplot that you left out where uh the dad is at his new bartender job which is he moved his family from la to seattle to take up a bartending job which he somehow they live in a middle class lifestyle on this bartender salary and uh he uh, keeps getting bullied at work and he just takes it until one day he finally pushes back a little bit and when he's about to get beat up by like 10 guys for asking him to leave for drinking too much basically uh, that's when the kid shows up and fights all 10 of them and because the kid wins against all 10 of them that teaches the dad not to be a bitch <laughs> <laughs> again in 80s logic if you win a fight then it was good that you fought but if you lose a fight it's bad that you fought that's just 80s logic and everyone knows that
3: yeah there's this there's this whole thing of you're only supposed to use it for self-defense although somehow they justify attacking people as defense
2: yeah that's 80s karate logic i don't think it's like actually what they teach you if you go and learn karate i don't know that for sure because i haven't done that myself but i think it's mainly an 80s movie thing
3: The good news is, if you forget the name of this movie, they do manage to say it about ten times.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but never in context where it makes sense to be saying it, which is important. (laughs) It is literally, the the title of this movie, the first time it's spoken, is like, so RJ, who is like the b-boy stereotype guy, is being bullied, and uh, our hero, I guess, protagonist character shows up and comes in there and fights the, the the bad guys off there the teen bullies off and he uh, they just like they have their backs to each other and just goes remember no retreat no surrender but neither of them have ever said that to each other before and it makes no fucking sense in the context <laughs> but whatever and then they immediately retreat as well that's this <laughs> they also run away right after saying it so it, it, this movie's fucking crazy I'm so glad I watched it <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, they also There's also an interesting message in the movie of uh, if you want to be good at something, you should literally ignore your entire life and do nothing but that thing all day, every day mm-hmm. for right. the foreseeable future. And then you'll be good at it.
1: And become a squatter.
3: Right, right.
2: And I think this might need to be better explained, but did you guys get the impression that for the bulk of the movie, our teenage character and the ghost of Bruce Lee were living together in this house. Because it didn't seem like he went home for about a half an hour of movie time in the middle. I and think then he just like goes home to visit and he's like, okay, mom, I'll go pick up dad from his bartender job. I,
3: I think it's strongly insinuated that there is no Bruce Lee. And actually this kid is dangerous and suffering
2: from severe <laughs>
3: schizophrenia.
2: See, I thought that, but then there is a scene where uh, RJ is watching him through the window and he doesn't see Bruce Lee. And he's like, What's going on? But clearly, when Bruce Lee hits our character, it knocks him down to the ground. And well, so he's clearly but, like physically interacting with something.
3: But from those perspectives, once again, you only see that through him. And it, it's totally fight clubby. I don't know. Maybe. Like, because maybe he's like in this house beating the shit out of
2: himself. That's what you think's happening? Oh yeah, How, how does he well, get so good at karate? You would need the ghost of Bruce Lee to get that good at karate. Well,
3: actually, as it turns out, the, the movie is right about one thing. If you forego every other thing in your life to only do one thing constantly, you're going to get pretty good at that thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. I guess. But I don't like you trying to tell me that the ghost of Bruce Lee wasn't real. I want there to be a ghost of Bruce Lee in this movie. So, Take that back, please.
3: No, I'm sorry. He's a he's a dangerous schizophrenic.
2: I fucking loved this movie. Did you guys at least enjoy this movie because it was so fucking crazy that the whole time you're just like shaking your head to the point where you got like sore neck from it.
1: Oh, it's delightful. (laughs) Uh, As Noah pointed out, the last fight is pretty good. Oh yeah, I was I was kind of bored by a lot of this.
2: The last fight is is for all intents and purposes a cartoon fight like guys are getting tied up in the ropes and spun upside down one guy gets like kicked and he was flying out of the ring and lands in like the third row of the crowd or whatever
3: Yeah, this you're, it's got good end caps because the last fight's pretty good and the first fight's pretty good
2: yeah and the middle is just so batshit insane and full of that weird 80s racism that you're like I don't know I guess
0: <laughs> and all
2: sorts of like just like weird stuff because it's like Everything in this movie has to be done in a strange way. Like so when he goes to the karate dojo and he's like, I want to sign up and they're like, we got a class starting now. If you've got your gear with you, just get changed. You can do a, a tryout class. And if you like it, you can sign up for good. All that makes sense. Except his like buddy is with him and his buddy like goes in the locker room with him while he's getting changed and everything. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's usual for your friend, Who's not going to be in your karate class to come and like hang out with you the whole time. Is that very, very unusual? It seemed unusual to me.
1: Yeah.
2: I, also, I also noticed everything. I don't even know the main character's name. I know his friend's name was RJ. <laughs> everything he needed. He's just like, every minute of he's like, is it true Bruce Lee's uh, buried it somewhere around this city. And RJ's just like, I know exactly where it is and I'll take you there tomorrow. <laughs> Hey, is it true that there's, like, the world champion karate guys from around here? I know where his dojo is. i will take you there tomorrow. Anything you need, RJ knows where it is, and he'll take you there tomorrow.
1: (laughs) That's why RJ is there. It's awesome. So some of the uh, trivia I was reading. Um, So the the dad in this was... had to testify in a deposition against John Claude Van Damme that he was unsafe to work with <laughs> for some other like m- movie that he was being sued for, and so he was brought in as a character witness that yes, he was difficult to work for. And apparently, he, Van Damme really kicked him in the face by accident when, when they were doing I don't know some bullshit. I can see that. Uh, and then, and then when the dads getting attacked in the parking lot. And the kid comes running in and does like the side kick.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, apparently, actually, really kicked that dude in the face too by accident.
2: <laughs> None of that surprises <laughs> me at all. Uh,
1: but the uh, uh, when he's doing his training montage, and he's like, you know, the good part of the montage, and he kicks that bag, and the bag like busts open. Yeah. That was a complete accident. Okay. <laughs>
2: Apparently it looks good in film. was it was yeah. that
1: they
3: built a shitty bag or that this kid actually is pretty good at Kung Fu? From,
1: from what I've read, the kid actually had some really good uh martial arts experience before this movie and was actually pretty good at it and had to had to hold back when they were filming the early scenes to make it look like he didn't know what he was doing very well.
2: Alright. So I will say that he didn't do a very good job of holding back in my opinion. Because the whole time I, every time he was like doing anything and they're all like, You gotta work harder and I'm like, I don't think he does. Like he just ran like ten miles and then he's like hanging upside down doing the sit ups where you go right up. They're going like and then RJ's like, Come on man, work harder And you're like, I don't think he needs to. I think he's already in good shape. <laughs> like three percent of the world population can do that. <laughs>
1: Like, listen here, mister, I'm just going to ride along on my bike. I know. You don't tell me about working harder.
2: It's, it's super fucking weird. Not as weird as the Michael Jackson look-alike contest that they go to in the middle of the movie for some reason. <laughs> somehow Noah left out of his plot description.
0: <laughs> we yeah. want
2: to talk about the dance contest that occurs for no reason other than just because <laughs> RJ could dance.
1: Uh, which is funny because R.J. actually can't dance. Well. From what I read, he told the producers that he was very good at breakdancing and skateboarding. And then oh, when, yeah? w- when they went to film those scenes, he's like, yeah, I lied. I-, I can't do any of that. So they had to use a double.
2: That's hilarious. Because <laughs> they do go to like that nightclub that allows teenagers into it. And I know. They're in, they're, there's um, two people dressed as Michael Jackson dancing and everybody's watching and RJ's like watch what I can do he's in his Michael Jackson outfit he goes and dances and then the re- I don't know why that scene's in the movie it doesn't it's not plot relevant in any way nothing else happens really
1: I honestly and maybe this is racist but thought the intention of them going to that like when I was watching it and as it unfolded I realized that wasn't the case was that RJ's parents was the couple dancing at the beginning <laughs> So it's like, oh, they're like a family of, like,
2: breakdancers. <laughs> they're
1: and then it's, it they're a up. family yeah. of
2: Michael Jackson lookalikes.
1: And yeah, Brian, up. all
3: black people know each other and are related.
1: I know, but there was no other context. Like, why are they fucking going to
2: this? I thought because it was the 80s that, like, somehow he was going to use breakdancing and karate together. Like, he would learn balance or some shit. Mm-hmm. Be, you know not because i think that works but because the movie was made in 1986 i thought ah, what the hell that could, ha- could happen back then but...
1: yeah this was a uh credit kid world
2: yeah but oh my god this movie was insane like that whole thing is basically for him to reconcile with the girlfriend but it's one of two scenes she gets in the whole movie <laughs> <laughs> so why like i don't know why that character exists i don't understand the purpose of her Just, so I he- guess
1: so he'd have an excuse to run up to the ring and be like Hello, other character who has never met me so far. You should really take it easy with this Russian guy that's coming in.
2: Yeah, I feel like probably what they should have done is had somebody write a script that made all of the different story elements seem like they were occurring in the same movie. (laughs) Like, if you, like, it's so. Just the fact that he moves to Seattle, he coincidentally has a girlfriend there and the same mobsters show up there to take over the new dojo that he wants to train at.
3: <laughs> well, this this karate dojo uh, mob conspiracy is
2: worldwide. It's certainly nationwide because the implication from the dialogue is that they've taken over every dojo in LA and Seattle is just next on the list of cities that they're moving to to take over all of the karate dojos. <laughs> to use as a front for their organized crime but i don't they don't even say what the crime is is the crime just taking over dojos money laundering maybe maybe but is that like a great way to like they're like oh you know where a lot of cash flows through is karate dojos that's why those are most of those are just established and last forever on a cash basis like don't open a casino that's no way to launder money do it through karate dojos
1: well I do like when the the kid does show up at the dojo to have that tryout someone tells them like this is that l a kid and they're like <laughs> yeah let's let's see some of that l a karate and then when he gets beat up they're like, yeah that l a karate's bullshit I'm just like, what like <laughs> is there like a is there like a, a a war between like different coasts like and technically they're still on the same coast, but yeah, I don't understand the hatred of L.A. karate compared to Seattle karate.
2: It's so, and like, I don't know, like generally speaking, at least in movies, like the leader of karate dojos, the senseis or whatever, are usually pretty honorable people. So, hey, we, we heard that this guy said something bad about Seattle karate. So let's get our best, most experienced guy <laughs> to just beat on him to the point where the guy beating on him is like, come on, do I really have to keep kicking him? And you're like, no, you keep kicking him. <laughs> <laughs> just because you heard that he said something before and it's like okay yeah I can understand making him fight your best guy to see how good he is but when he loses just let him lose and move on with your day
1: <laughs> uh, this movie is insane
2: <laughs> thing is I had seen this like back in the 80s and I remembered it being like a lot more straightforward of just like, kid moves to New Town. Like basically a rip off of Karate Kid. That's what I was expecting. Yeah, Kid moves to New Town, gets bullied, learns karate, has to fight somebody at the end. That's what I thought we were walking into here. And I remember as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, holy shit, he's like at the gravesite. And I'm like, I think the ghost Bruce Lee is in this. But how can that be? This is not a supernatural movie. And I'm like trying to piece it together. I'm like, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie I saw in the 80s. And then when they got to that abandoned house, I'm like, oh, my God, that's where the ghost of Bruce Lee's going to live for some reason. <laughs> that makes no sense. And the whole time Bruce Lee is training this kid, and I'm just thinking he's not training for anything. There's no upcoming event that he needs to be good at karate for.
1: Yeah, little does he know there's actually a karate tournament that he's not really involved with. <laughs>
2: it's No, when he goes to that tournament, it's just as a spectator. It's just him and his buddy and his, like, him and his dad have, have made friends again after he taught his dad not to be a bitch. So now they're like, oh, I, well, let's go see the fights. That's his involvement there. It's just a coincidence that he's at that tournament. Because <laughs> he's not. He, he never even ends up signing up for that dojo. He never goes back to it a second time. He just, he goes in there once, they beat the shit out of him, he runs away. And then he, he, he has no further involvement with that dojo until the very end of the movie when he just happens to go to see the fights that they're holding there. Which are like, it's three guys from that dojo fighting three mobsters to a crowd of thousands <laughs> with live television broadcast and commentators and everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems right.
2: It's <laughs> oh, I love this movie. It was so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh
1: i was in love with it but i'm glad you were
2: just i just the whole time the whole time they were training i'm like this is a lot of training when they haven't set up anything for him to train like, imagine if rocky if all the training montages happened before he met apollo creed just like <laughs> all of a sudden like then they're like oh yeah looks so good thing you spent the whole first half of this movie training because now we're going to set up a fight for you <laughs> that's what this would be like Ugh. but it made me smile <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Again, the ghost of Bruce Lee shows up, lives in an abandoned house with the kid for a while, disappears. He never mentions to anyone else that hey, there's a ghost living with me in this abandoned house now. And his parents don't even seem annoyed that he moved into the house for a little while and then just comes home.
1: I still want there to be if like they shot as much of this movie as they thought they were going to shoot, and they're like fuck, we need like another 20 minutes. What if he moves into a house with the ghost of Bruce Lee and trains? And they're like, brilliant, let's shoot
2: it. You know what? You've got to fight to survive! Thank <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, you know? <laughs> Can't help it. Uh, that was reasonable.
1: And did you know they, they there's two more movies in this franchise?
2: Yeah, it looks like they're like in-name only. Like they, yeah. like, I think the next well, one involves them going to war.
1: The next two deal with with the same character in those two movies. Neither one of them have anything to do with this movie. Okay. Yeah, and, it's like it's like Vietnam vets or something having yeah, to rescue somebody. One of those movies.
2: Yeah, and my understanding is it's also called something else, Part Two. So it's like no retreat, no yeah. surrender. Two, but it's also like it has another title, but that's also has the two in it. So it's just depending on like what market they're trying to appeal to, I guess.
1: <laughs> and the funny thing, is I was looking them up and I found on Letterboxd a uh, sort of like a, somebody had collected like you know all of the movies in the No Retreat, No Surrender franchise, <laughs> and there was like two other movies that are not named no retreat no surrender but one of them has the guy like the the main guy from 2 and 3 in okay. it so i think it may be another one of those that it was marketed as like another another uh that's awesome entry like in another uh market or something as part of this franchise yeah it's great just that's one of great. those one of those, like, yeah, we'll make these movies and call them 20 different things depending on where they end up falling in the foreign markets.
2: If we're going to start doing that, they should make an RJ spinoff where he gets trained by the ghost of Michael Jackson on How to Dance. I don't know how well that'll go over if we make a, <laughs> make a movie about the ghost of Michael Jackson living in an abandoned house with a teenage boy <laughs> that might be frowned upon, but...
3: <laughs> no, no, that's it. <laughs>
1: terrifying um all right doug do you want to do you want to tell us about karate kid oh really as if nobody knows what that movie's about
2: yeah i think everyone knows the plot of karate kid
1: uh an old asian
3: man working as the superintendent teaches a young boy to wax off (laughs) well
2: well, don't say it like that (laughs) (laughs) this is such a sweet innocent movie and you have to go and do that to it don't do that it's not appropriate Karate Kid is about a young boy who is relocated by his mother for a great new career which immediately falls apart and she ends up <laughs> working once again we have a parent who moves their kid to another city to end up working at a shitty customer service job <laughs> um, except when this guy gets bullied by uh, bullied by the, the local like douchebag rich kid karate guys he uh, is trained by a living human being how to beat them and beats them in a legitimate tournament setting I'm not going to give you a plot description for *Karate Kid*. If you haven't seen *Karate Kid*, you're probably not sitting around (laughs) listening to movie
1: podcasts. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to assume this is just going to be us gushing about this movie for about the next 20 minutes. That's about right. I don't see. I don't see any of us being like, "Well, this movie was shit."
2: No, I was trying to find like a lot of the flaws in this movie because I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was kind of like, "It's one of those like I bet this is going to be like a lot of problems because it is the 80s and it is like." Mm -hmm. sort of a kid-friendly movie and all this and i'm like i don't i seemed like in my head mr miyagi was a racist character but then even after watching it i'm like he's not like he's really not like there's nothing racist about the character his english is just poor which is fine because he's an immigrant like that's not a big deal Mm -hmm. um i didn't think like i i i think the movie's kind of flawless in a lot of ways
1: it is weird. I, like, rewatching it, because I probably haven't seen it in, like, 15, 20 years. Like, it's been forever. And I was sort of the same way, where I'm just like, well, th- this movie is actually better than I remember it being.
2: Well, yeah, and I think it's... I, I didn't realize that until now, somehow I didn't know that it's directed by the same guy that directed Rocky. So they went and made a kid-friendly Rocky movie, and they got the same director back, so they could hit a lot of the same beats. And They do a fantastic job like it's there's well thought out characters there's you know yeah there's some of the violence is maybe a little over the top for high school kids bullying each other but i i thought it was really interesting the way that they set it up so that our main character is a very flawed character he he certainly does nothing to help himself in the early parts of the movie um i thought like even the stuff the romance stuff i thought worked like it was like a cute little fifteen-year-old kid's romance, but mm-hmm. you know, they didn't. I, I liked that it was a cute little fifteen-year-old kid's romance. It felt like that's yeah. what it would be like when you're that age, and you have to get your mom to drive you and the girl to a oh. arcade for a date. Like that's it', yeah. it felt real to me.
1: I felt I, mean. I felt horrible for him watching that scene where I'm just like, this blows. <laughs> you have to yeah. get in the fucking station wagon. And then it won't even fucking start. So you got to push start it. Like this is the, yeah, I would just want to kill myself.
2: Yeah. And, and he kind of does want to kill. He doesn't want to kill himself, but like, I definitely think they do a good job of portraying like where he is embarrassed by the situation he's in. And she's doing a very good job. Elizabeth, she was a very good actress and (laughs) she's doing a very good job of playing. Like, I don't care about any of this stuff. Like you're a nice guy. We'll just hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's the one that's kind of making their social class difference into an, an issue, which I thought worked surprisingly well again. Like I'm like, these are all things that I thought would be really cheesy when I watch the movie again. And they're not, they, it all works. What about, you know, uh, pretty much every part of this movie is awesome. I <laughs> I
0: got, yeah.
3: I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I was even. Did I, did I mention it. I'm real high on Benadryl?
1: <laughs> 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 uh,
3: the pollen's bad.
1: Um, I think I've decided that Mr. Miyagi is one of the best cinematic characters, like ever.
2: It's like human Yoda.
1: Yeah, totally. And I feel like, like you said, that it, it just in my mind, I'm like, well, it maybe gets this way in the later movies maybe that's why i have that in my mind but
2: yeah i watched part of part two and it gets bad <laughs> it's like yeah. he, he becomes a like a a parody of himself very quickly yeah. okay
1: because yeah just just like his performance is really good yeah. and, no, and now as an adult knowing who pat marita is and the fact that he is a hundred percent the opposite of this character uh I am not surprised that he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Because his performance is yeah, amazing. They
2: got yeah. It's it's he's a really interesting character in that he's like clearly he's made this decision to live this kind of solitary life and he kinda gets sucked in when he sees this kid suffering and he just wants to help him. Mm-hmm. And his his solution is right off the bat is keep the kid out of fighting and out of trouble and he only trains him. When it becomes obvious that that's not an option.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Which is like, I think is interesting. I think it's it's more depth than we expect to see in an 80s movie about a kid's karate tournament.
3: Yeah. I've I've got a question. Sure. So at the beginning of the movie, they introduce a friend character. Mm-hmm. And then he's never seen again. That's correct.
1: Uh, he drops him because his other friends start making fun of him for hanging out with him after he gets yep. beat up at the beach party. Is, is that what it is? Yeah, they're like, yeah, nice friend, Johnny. Or, not Johnny, whatever the kid's name. Freddie? Yeah, nice nice kid. Why do you want to hang out with him? And you see him kind of look at him like, ah, oh, fuck, I brought the nerd to the party. And then he kind of just turns and walks away with all of his friends. Yeah.
2: And then the, o- the only, um, like, the only person who's nice to Johnny in the whole movie is, or not Johnny, to Daniel, in the whole movie, it's... it's Ali and uh, Miyagi are the only two that are, treat him like a decent human being. So he kind of just isolates himself with them, which is a little weird. It's it's kind of weird that in his like the movie starts goes from September to December, he doesn't make any other
3: mm-hmm. friends. Just those guys. Yeah. Did, did we mention that Daniel is also kind of a whiny little bitch through the first
2: like <laughs> half of the movie? Yeah. He is. Well, I I said I, it's interesting that our protagonist is a flawed character, but he, you know I think we meant the same thing. <laughs> okay. You know he like early on in the movie like that. This is kind of what I was saying he does himself no favors. Like the fight he gets into that gets him kicked off the soccer team or whatever. Like, yeah, he got tripped playing soccer, but I don't know that much about soccer. It didn't look like it was that big a deal. Like you would think that probably happens from time to time. And he turns it into a bigger fight, and the same thing with the thing on the beach. Like he could have not got his ass kicked on that beach, but he felt like he wanted to step up and act like the tough guy, and you know, so he gets he makes the keeps making the situation worse for himself, and it culminates with him deciding to, you know, he's trying to show off in front of Allie, and he pours water on those guys while they're just trying to smoke pot in a bathroom like rational teenagers, and you know. <laughs> Like that beating he gets that night, OK, it's over the top, and you know it is a five-on-one fight, but he had something coming to him for pushing for, for pushing, <laughs> for pushing a, a group of guys that he knew could kick his ass and he decides to dump water on their heads. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get beat up.
3: Have, have you guys ever noticed that uh, his relationship with her is kind of like completely toxic and bad?
2: Like, every time like she talks to him, he get, he interprets the wrong way and decides to get himself into trouble.
3: Well, well, not just that. So he gets embarrassed about something, then acts like a dick because he's embarrassed. So then she gets upset that he's acting like a dick, and then he does something massively and disappears for a few days and comes back. Then he gaslights the shit out of her over and over again. Where he's basically like, hey, you know, I wouldn't have been mad at you if I hadn't have been mad at you about the other thing before I got mad at you. It's your fault, bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think and he, teenagers. And he even does the stereotypical abusive boyfriend thing where you know, he goes, oh, you know, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. He, 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 he. Smile for me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The, I, 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 uh, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. You go well, I was just gonna say I just think they're teenagers. Like we're, they're they're just teenagers, right? And they're acting like teenagers. They fight, and they break up, and they kind of half date for a while, and then they don't talk for a while, and then yeah, I I don't think it's necessarily toxic. It's just people not understanding how to live their lives.
1: Plus, Noah, she dumps him for a football player in the next movie. So fuck her. Anyway.
2: Well, uh, yeah, but yeah, but he's a piece uh, of shit. <laughs> he should leave him. <laughs> But He won the karate tournament by cheating, making him the hero. No. I went into a deep dive on this, and there's there's no rule against kicking people in the face in the tournament
3: I don't know <laughs> there's,
2: the argument the argument that people bring forward is that you're not allowed to you're not allowed to just kick a dude full on in the face in a contact karate tournament. But according to the rules set out in the movie, they do say you get points for strikes to the head. So apparently you are allowed to do that.
3: Yeah, I think they say that, but then I do believe the referee then immediately after that says no kicks to the head
1: specifically. Well, he didn't kick him. He no, didn't kick think- his head, he kicked him right in the face.
2: I, no, I, I, think, think, I think your <laughs> face is firmly <laughs> on your head. I, but I think you're mistaken. I think if you watch the movie closely, you'll see... You're told strikes to the head are okay, but intentional punches to the face are not okay. Because there are multiple times in the movie where you see people give strikes to the side of the head and it's acceptable. We see lots of attempted kicks at the head that are unsuccessful, but they're, none of them are, are admonished for it. And then when the crane technique happens, it's, uh, it's he's granted the point. So clearly the referee thought that was a legal maneuver. And I don't know why you think you're qualified to override an official referee for the All Valley Karate Tournament.
3: Hmm. Because I listen to the rules. I don't know.
2: Well, like the closest thing we get to rules is Allie telling him you get a point if you kick people. <laughs> she, I don't know why she's an expert. She's, we don't. We're not given any indication that she knows. Because she used correct. to date Johnny. Yeah.
3: And Johnny's the reigning champion, so she would have been to the tournament.
2: So. I don't know about that, but
3: I mean that's pretty self-explanatory. She was with Johnny. Johnny's the reigning champion for three years.
1: Yeah, we don't know how long they dated or if they even really dated at all.
2: Yeah, keeping in mind that these are 15 year olds, so they didn't date from when she was 12, 13, 14, 15. Like, <laughs> well, I don't think she was with them for three years. I'm assuming. I don't know. It's not really. Get, we're not given a lot of information. Maybe uh, there'll be a prequel cool one to
3: all I'm saying is that Daniel is uh, the Zach Morris of this movie. I disagree well, he's, he's not good.
1: there is some factual stuff to back that up actually because uh, I was reading through the the trivia and then I actually heard this theory before and psychologists apparently have watched this movie and stated that um, that if you really pay attention that Daniel's actually the bully in this movie.
2: I disagree. They throw him down a hill on his bike.
1: The time. hill the hill on the bike is one that I can't really Yeah um
2: and the, really
1: come terms with.
2: In the beach scene, he's just he's defending Allie. People have said like, oh he like they tried not to beat him up too much and he kept coming at them and stuff and it's like, Yeah, but then they rode a motorcycle over top of her boombox and were like pushing a girl around, so
1: Yeah. They're still not good people. But technically Johnny doesn't use any karate and unless he's defending himself from Daniel like running at him and using his YMCA karate that he learned back in Germany. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and I'm not and I I've I'm I'm already on the record. Daniel's a flawed character. He makes his own situation worse. Mm-hmm. But if they weren't harassing a teenage girl on the beach, he wouldn't have been in there to defend her and then they throw him down a hill and then they fucking when he again, he does the stupid thing of putting some water over their head, but then like they're Johnny's ready to beat him to death at that point, <laughs> and it's a five yeah. one fight. Yeah. So yeah. again, like to say he's the bully is it's stretching it. Again, he he could have handled a lot of those situations better, especially the soccer one. The soccer one is the one where I'm like, yeah, you brought that upon yourself but that's his character arc too though right he learns to self discipline and control through his karate and his redesigning of miyagi's home mm-hmm.
1: which i find interesting rewatching as an adult cuz you know wax on wax off you're like oh that's that's funny like when you're a kid you're like that's funny he he was teaching him karate moves the whole time but then you watch it as an adult and you're like oh that's just muscle memory that that makes actually makes some somewhat logical sense. I mean, he's not I think going to win a karate tournament like he does in this movie, but I'm just like, yeah, he's just building up his muscle memory so he knows how to do these moves when it comes time to actually, like, learn how to do them.
2: Yeah. And not only that, but he's building up the strength, because Daniel was kind of a little tiny yeah. weakling, right? So he's building up the strength in those muscles. But I actually think they do a good job, too, of especially in the paint defense scenes. Mm-hmm. They do a pretty good job of, like, Having him stand him and make him look like it is sort of a karate-like motion, to whatever what extent, like a viewing audience is going to understand what that means, like it's
3: yeah, yeah, he forces him into horse stance, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Like I, I think especially, like especially like say the paint the fence, it looks as though he's doing something karate-related, but I don't know. I like when he says learn balance, he just throws him in the ocean and
1: that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh how do we how do we feel about uh miyagi's drunken uh drunken backstory for everything
3: i I was gonna say it's one of the single best dramatic scenes ever put in a movie
1: it is pretty amazing and apparently the producers wanted to cut it because they said that it slowed the movie down and the director was like no 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 no, we're gonna keep this in here and he feels that's what got nominated for an oscar yeah
2: uh, I think it's great. I think it shows what's wrong with modern filmmaking because that would have been cut today. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like back then, they're like, "No, kids can you know they can sit through the one good dramatic scene so that the parents watching with them can enjoy the movie as well." Kids don't need to just see karate. They can, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good because I mean, we just think of Miyagi as like the stoic character, and then he gets the one scene to like sort of be vulnerable and stuff, and then. Gives the backstory for his wife and unborn kid, and
2: yeah, oh, it's, it's really sad. Yeah, it's 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 a genuinely sad moment. It's like, extremely well acted, which is I think key. Because if it wasn't well done, it would be it would be mm. all the things that the producers were worried about. It would slow the movie down and be boring, and all that.
1: Yeah, I didn't catch the uh, Japanese internment camp aspect of it until yeah. this watch.
2: No, and I think sometimes that's in the '80s. That's what they did: was they would put a line of dialogue like that in a movie to kind of get kids to go, "What the hell are they talking about?" and actually like ask those questions and think about stuff like that. Whereas now we'd be like, "Well, we don't want our kids Mm -hmm. questioning things. We just want them to be happy, so that they'll go to see the sequel." So just uh, edit those lines of dialogue right out of there.
1: Any Any other favorite parts of this movie besides all of them?
2: I like when he knocks him off the boat into the water for no reason. <laughs> just because it's. Miyagi's yeah, just laughing. He's like, oh, Daniel's on you all wet. And I'm just like, that's hilarious. He's just like, because he is this stoic guy. And you see him kind of open up and start to care about Daniel throughout the movie. And then at this point, he's just like laughing and joking with him, which I think is hilarious.
3: I always find it interesting that no matter how many times I watch this, the fact that, you know, he wins with a crane kick. And Mr. Miyagi says, you know, if done right, you can't defend against the crane kick. And it's like, sure you can. It's it's, it's not a very impressive move, to be be completely honest.
1: Well. And it's also a completely made up move for the movie.
2: Right. Yeah. Clearly. But, you know, whatever. It's also awesome. You guys are forgetting about that.
1: That is true.
2: And we probably all tried to do it in our living rooms after watching the movies. so. (laughs) Both as a child and maybe now, so.
0: Yeah, put him in a body bag!
2: (laughs) That guy's
3: always hilarious. I always like the, uh, the i can't remember which name is the dude who actually injures his leg yeah it's just the fact that he's like i don't want to do that i don't want to do that okay i'm going to do it oh my god i feel so guilty i'm
1: sorry dude i'm sorry i didn't mean it
2: well i mean and i think the one of the themes of the movie is that all the kids are decent until that asshole teacher gets a hold of them right and so I think there's a kid who is like, I want to do the right thing. And he's just being forced to do terrible things just because this psychopath that runs this karate dojo is like, ah, I'd like to see a teenager get hurt today. You, you, go hurt him for me.
1: <laughs> Somebody else tried the move, the, <clears throat> the thing when you're like, she got a cramp or something, you slap your hands together and, like, I'm going to do a Miyagi did. And then it, you don't know, like, how the fuck to do it
2: properly. We don't you even mean, you even mean it doesn't work because magic doesn't exist no yeah i i i remember trying that every time i got hurt from 1984 <laughs> to 1989 and it never worked once uh, uh, do you guys pick up on the best easter egg of the whole movie like the, the tournaments held on my birthday that's key.
1: Oh, okay. That's a,
2: that was as a child, that was very, very important to me. And it makes this movies feel so much better, even though clearly it's not going to help anybody else enjoy the movie or even be noticeable.
1: I was going to say, you call that an Easter egg. I call that. I, I didn't even realize when your birthday was unless Facebook. Tells me.
2: Uh, I understand.
1: <laughs>
2: but if you're ever there and it's like the anniversary of the tournament pops up on the same day, you'll know. So,
1: did anybody watch the thirty for thirty? I did. Was it good? I saw him watching it.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun if you like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They do. They do a couple of things where they're like different commentators are like, "Yeah, he was really the best. He was the best around. Yes, <laughs> nothing was going to keep him down during this tournament." It's <laughs> <So, laughs> stuff like that, which is pretty fun. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, it, it's. I mean, if if you like the fake thirty for thirties, it's really good. And I I recommend people who like the movies because I think watching real sports people talk about a fake sports event like it's real is just hilarious.
1: <laughs> Did they mention anything uh, dealing with Cobra Kai? Has anybody watched that yet?
2: Cobra Kai? No, I I watched the first episode of Cobra Kai when it because that was the one that was available for free and it was mm. really good. Like I really wanted to watch it. I'm not paying for YouTube so.
1: Yeah, season two is up now. I may uh, get the free trial and then try to binge through all of them before it runs out. Yeah,
2: yeah, I thought about that myself, but I had a bad feeling I'd end up with like two episodes left and end up having to pay for a month just to watch those. And it
1: would get <laughs>
2: very complicated.
1: Um, Anything else before we move on, I guess? Karate Kid's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, Karate Kid's awesome. I think it's better than people think it is i think it's everyone remembers some of the cheesy fun elements to it but i think a lot of the the drama actually works like i say it's weird to me that the teenage romance actually works i just assumed that would be terrible um and it's not it's I, i like the fact that they treat them like they're teenage kids and they're not like they don't act like this is like some high stakes even the tournament is just a all Valley It's not even a national tournament or anything. It's all of the kids that can walk to the dojo are in that tournament. <laughs> you know, uh, and I kind of like that. I like that it was very low stakes, very low scale. It wasn't over the top. Like, you, you really got the impression that even when they're at school, like, nobody else knows that this group of kids is fighting with this other kid. Everyone else is just living their lives.
1: We, really can, like, we got our own problems. We got to worry about this new kid from Jersey. Yeah, yeah.
2: 'Cause even like some of Allie's friends are like they meet Daniel once, they're like, Yeah, he's kinda of annoying, we'll just ignore him forever now. And that's like that feels a lot more high school and then in a lot of ways it captures that like high school feeling too of like all of your problems are the biggest deal in the world to you mm-hmm. and the rest of the world is just going on around you and it makes your problems seem worse because nobody else gives a shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did seem to capture what it's like to be fifteen.
2: Yeah. pretty well
1: I mean minus the life or death karate tournament that uh you have to enter but
2: yeah. uh yeah it was the 80s they had life or death karate tournaments if this movie was now it'd be like the kid would have a fentanyl addiction
0: so
2: <laughs> karate probably a better way to spend yeah. your teenagers
0: thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call for info, check out the Midnight Drive In on Twitter at MN Drive In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
1: We got one piece of feedback. What? Yeah, let yeah, me pull it up. I completely forgot, so I did not have it prepared. And it's a long one, too. So, uh, our friend Brian sent us an email. It says, hey, guys, so after hearing how much Doug loved the new Pet Sematary remake, loved is in quotes,
2: Doug. So it's, oh, that's it's good. So I understand it.
1: Uh, I'd like to share some thoughts. It's evident by now that Hollywood has run out of ideas, so the only logical next step is to reboot Hollywood. When I heard Pet Sematary was up next for a reboot, I didn't care. Same when I heard the redoing Child's Play. Same with Hellboy, Robocop, Total Recall, Nightmare, etc. Fuck, even Disney is destroying our childhoods with these awful live-action remakes. Which I agree with. Did anybody see the, the Lion King trailer?
2: Yeah, I saw that.
1: And it basically just looks like the exact same.
2: Yeah, I don't understand the point of doing a shot-for-shot remake of anything. Uh, that's never made any sense to me.
1: No. Especially like of of an animated movie, and you're like, "Well, we're doing a live-action one," but your live-action one is full of CGI animals because there's no goddamn human beings in Lion King.
2: Yeah, it's not actually live action. So. Yeah. It's more like
3: it's more like high-tech rotoscope.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. Like if they could they have literally just taken like the original Lion King and then just re edited it, like s- fed it into a computer system and told the computer how to update it and gotten the same results? It seems that way. Yeah. They didn't even recast some of the actors like James Earl Jones is back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the we, hell? They just they just pulled his audio and just put it in the
2: movie. <laughs> yeah. um, um, that's weird to me.
1: Um, He says, yes, I love Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, but these unholy remakes are a catastrophe. I'm not saying all are bad, and in fact, I feel like there are a few that in the right hands could benefit from a modern retelling. Two I've always wanted to see are Hellraiser and Reanimator. I mean, Hellraiser is pretty darn close to the original novella, but it would be sweet in the right hands to see a modern version of the story. Also, Reanimator would be a godsend if we could get it Period accurate story, maybe under the watchful eye of Guillermo del Toro. Whether he directs or produces, don't care. Again, not all remakes are bad. Honestly, my personal favorite of all time is the 1990 Night of the Living Dead. And I'm ashamed to say this, but I only just seen the original for the first time like two months ago. I found a copy at Menards on Blu-ray for five bucks and was like, well, better buy this. And I loved it. All right, you bought it from Menards?
2: What's Menards?
1: Uh, it's like a hardware store.
3: You save big garbage. money there.
1: Yeah. Why well, are for five bucks? So. They, they're just like on like a little end end cap, probably, because yeah. they don't even have like a section for it. It's just like, uh, I don't know. Just throw them over here. Maybe somebody will see them and buy them. But if you bought it for five dollars on Blu-ray, you want, probably watched the not great version of it.
2: Do you, yeah, but it's The Living Dead. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not. It's.
1: I'm just saying, I have the Criterion where they uh, re-scanned it in 4K, and it looks beautiful.
2: Yeah, but you don't need that to appreciate that movie. I watched my VHS copy not that long ago, and I enjoyed the hell out of it.
1: (laughs) Uh, He continues, but since I grew up watching the remake, I tend to prefer that. Also, Evil Dead twenty thirteen is another example on how to do a remake right, and I wouldn't even call it a remake. Yeah, it hits some of the same beats as the original, but I look at it as look at it as another story of poor souls meeting their untimely demise in a cabin in the woods. Maybe there are multiple copies of the Books of the Dead at different isolated cabins all over the place. Don't know, don't care. It's still a great movie. Uh, that's all I got. I haven't watched anything except trudging through Game of Thrones again. Glad I was able to get my wife on board, so that brings me joy. Not sure if you guys are watching it. If so, feel free to talk about it on the next episode. As always, love the show. Keep it up. Did anybody here watch Game of Thrones?
2: I watch Game of Thrones. Oh, you do? I do.
1: I tried to watch the very first episode not too long after it came out, and I found it really boring, so I never watched anything ever again.
2: Game of Thrones has a lot of talking in it. I really like it. Um, like, But the first put it this way, the first uh, two episodes of the final season it's all about them getting ready for stuff to happen and it's basically Mm -hmm. just everybody arriving at the same location and having conversations and I think it's great but if that doesn't interest you, then you're you know, there'll be a good action scene probably in the episode that's airing as we're recording this Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah that's it's it it has it. It's not scared to be a very slow show when it wants to be, and that's yeah. not appealing to everyone.
1: Yeah. Did do it for me, but then I'll see all these promos with like dragons and shit, and I'm just like, damn it! That's yeah. probably the stuff I wanted to see.
2: The dragons eventually show up, yeah, and they're pretty cool.
1: No, have you ever watched Game of Thrones?
2: Uh, I watched
3: the first two seasons. It's all right. I I decided I I got sick of them. Uh, they're one of the shows that ends every season on a cliffhanger. Yeah, and they do do that. and I, I'm i sticking with my thing. If you do that, I will stop watching your show. Like <laughs> un- Until it is released. Okay, once it's completely done, I know they're on the last season right now. Once that's done, I will watch them all. But I'm not fucking... I fucking hate cliffhangers. I hate them.
2: <laughs> and normally I agree with that. I, I, For some reason with Game of Thrones, it works for me. I've ranted about some of the ways Walking Dead has done that same thing, uh, but I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I think Game of Thrones it's okay for them to do it.
1: Interesting Well, uh, has anybody watched anything since last episode? Uh, I watched Sidekicks.
2: <laughs> oh really? You said you were gonna. Yeah. I Didn't believe you.
1: Check, check Norris I saw that shit in the theater, son. I've never,
2: I've never seen it. Does it hold up? Do you recommend it?
1: Yeah, I like it a lot.
3: I mean, it's just a shameless karate kid knockoff. But that's fine. Well, let me put it this way, Doug. Actually, it's even more of a no, shameless no retreat, no surrender knockoff. I was
1: going to say Jonathan Brandis learns how to fight from a ghost Chuck Norris, and Chuck Norris is even dead. That's how much of a badass Chuck Norris is.
2: That oh, sounds pretty entertaining to me. <laughs>
1: so it's still uh, good still good is
3: you still enjoy it yeah i i like it every time i watch it i mean it's cheesy mm. but i haven't watched it in forever it's all right
2: i had to get around to that one
3: uh i watched that and then i watched a handful of kung fu movies <laughs> i can't i can't even remember the title of half of them good boys <laughs> because that happens
0: <laughs>
3: uh, i know, it, know i rewatched. watched re- her I rewatched Five Deadly Venoms, it was one of them, and uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine, and then three other ones that I hadn't seen before, but I can't I can't remember their names. <laughs> which, is, out. which is sad because they're good, and and the problem with kung fu movies is they're so fucking like uh, similar to each other, and and their names are so generic sounding that they all just blend together it's like five wind punch assassin it's just a random series of fucking words
1: I'd just like to point out last week you're like I don't know when I'm gonna go see in game because it's three hours long and yet you're like I just watched like six kung fu movies but I don't <laughs> remember which ones they are
3: well you know Well, it, in my defense I watched them like Monday night and Tuesday night. I'm just saying. Just, I know. But I, but I'm saying it was before Endgame came out.
2: <laughs> i just like to point out that you knew you were going to be asked this question on this podcast. You could have double-checked the <laughs> titles of the movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's but. a lot of work. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you do remember? Uh,
3: punching and kicking? Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're kung, the kung fu movies only have like, three settings. It's either, like, a bad kung fu movie, a good kung fu movie, or, like, an epic fucking kung fu movie. (laughs) And, like, Five Deadly Venoms is pretty epic. Master of the Flying Guillotine's pretty epic. And most of the rest of them are just good. And like I said, they they blend together so much. It's hard to even tell them apart half the time. I mean, one of them, if I told you that, okay, it's this uh, kid and his master gets killed and then he goes on and if... (laughs) a revenge mission to take out the bad guys who killed his master. Does that narrow it down <laughs> at all?
2: It sounds like all the ones I've ever seen.
3: Exactly. It's, it's every Kung Fu movie. Uh, in one of them, there is a, it's, it's really long. It's gotta be about seven minute long fight where it's two people fighting with uh, a Japanese stool. And it's it's pretty awesome, but that's that's about it.
1: I was sure I wouldn't let you watch movies in the living room either.
3: <laughs> you you don't
1: like kung fu movies? <laughs> Not when you watch them, and you're like, ah, I just watched like six of them. I don't remember a single one of them. And she'd be like, Well, that's timeless. Hey, sometimes I'm, you got to do shit. I'm just giving. Shit. Um. Well, Doug, oh, you were and I so- went to
3: see Endgame. I guess. I guess we're just saying.
1: yeah. We're gonna get to that. Yeah. yeah uh. Okay. Alright, well, let's just do it now. Endgame. All three of us saw it. Uh, I'm going to assume we're all pretty positive on it.
2: Nailed it! Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely happy with it. I'm a little surprised how much... Like, I, we're keeping it spoiler-free right now, but I think uh, I'm surprised how much of an ending it is to everything that's come before it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I went and saw it twice. Two days in a row, so obviously I really enjoyed it. Um, and so much so we're going to, we're going to record like our own separate, separate review of the movie. So people who don't want spoilers don't have to listen to it and people who have seen it can just nerd out with us about it for however long we talk about it. Yeah. So for now, yay from all of us.
2: Yeah. I, need to say we all liked it. Um, I will say, I think it nails a lot more of the character moments than, Infinity War did where Infinity War was like just about the action beats mostly. I think Endgame really brings in the character stuff quite a bit without having to sacrifice any of the action. So uh, that's a huge accomplishment I think for the film. I, th- I think
3: I think the only thing I thought was maybe just a teeny tiny bit disappointing is the amount of uh permadeaths. I I feel like it should have been more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, but I can look at them.
3: And their treatment of Hulk was a little odd.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get into the, like, all of the characters, um, I mean, everyone knows this, this is non-spoiler, but there's a bit of a time jump that occurs in the movie, and all of the characters are a little different after the time jump than they are before, and I would say all of them except Hulk, I think, I really like the changes they've gone through. Um, and then his is the one that for me didn't work as much. We'll discuss it in the spoiler section that we're going to record and release separately, so if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to.
3: I was going to say, I also like the fact that so even though the major uh, plot device was super predictable, uh, I feel like the actual use and resolution of it was not.
2: Yeah, I would say that they, they, what they managed to do was give everybody everyone has their, the theories, the predominant theories about their, what was going to happen. And they managed to say like, yeah, all your theories were right, but we're doing it in a completely unpredictable way. So you're not going to be able to, even though you think, you know what this movie is about, you probably don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to talk about without spoilers. So
1: we should. Yeah. tune into our in game discussion. Uh, did you watch anything else then? Um,
2: well, I did watch Infinity War right before I went to see Endgame. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's wondering. It holds up really well. <laughs> um, I will say, like, upon watching it, I think there's certain elements of the film that I think are better than I thought they were. Like, the whole Thor side mission, mm-hmm. I think the first, the first couple times, or three, four, however many times I've seen Endgame, or Infinity War up until now, I think i always thought it's felt tacked on like who would actually believe that they're gonna do this thing with thor um where he runs off on his own mission brings back his own thing and saves the day but now i think watching it a little more casually i think it's actually really well done i think it's just my meta knowledge of knowing where the film was headed that prevented me from getting from buying into the whole storyline so i think it's actually better done um, I think some of the stuff with the Guardians is not as good as I gave it credit for because it's so funny that I didn't nitpick it before. And then now I think it's. Like, they all make the same mistake of being like, I could kill Thanos. No, you couldn't. None no, of you can. You all know you can't, but you still all think you can. And they, like, every character in the movie does it, especially the, all the Guardians, like, kind of individually, all at the same time. And it's like, you're all stupid. You shouldn't have tried that, but. Then again, you're funny when you do it, so it's fine.
3: I was going to say they also handled uh, bringing Captain Marvel in
2: very, very well. Yes, they did, actually. We'll get to that.
1: What else? Oh, yeah. Infinity War.
2: That's what you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Yeah.
1: It, I watched it a couple months ago, so really enjoyed it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, like, I think this is my fifth or sixth time seeing it, and it's literally one year old. I got the one year uh, Facebook reminder that it's been exactly a year since I saw it. So the fact that I watched it that many times in a year is pretty fascinating. Uh, The only other thing I really watched was a movie called Malevolence from 2005, Mm -hmm. I think. Yep. Which is supposed to be, if you read the plot description that comes with it, it's supposed to be about a kid who is kidnapped by a serial killer and forced to Uh, witness and possibly participate in some of the crimes and eventually becomes his own killer. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what the plot description is. But that plot description is really what happens in the opening crawl of the movie. (laughs) Um, The actual plot of the movie is just a bank bank robbery goes wrong. Some of the bank robbers and a couple of hostages end up at a house and there's a slasher killer there and it's just a standard slasher uh so i was kind of like disappointed at first Mm -hmm. then i realized whoever made this movie is a huge fan of 70s slashers and just decided to put in tons of references to halloween and texas chainsaw massacre and the shining and probably some other ones that i'm not thinking of right now and so i found the movie to be really fun just to sit back and watch for those and listen for like musical references to those movies and things like that um, is so, is
3: sorry. that film is that, is that film the one that has the uh, the sound bite for the killer where every time the killer shows up it goes
2: Bow! yeah not every time but it yeah, does uh, that. Yeah. no that movie it
3: has two of the greatest things first of all that noise which is ridiculous. And uh, the opening credit crawl of, oh, I know I can remember his name, Stevin Steven Menza. is that the guy's name? I don't know. Let me look it up, hold on. Ste- Stevan Mina, uh, in, the, uh, in the opening credits, it's literally just his name, because like everything is him. So it shows yeah. it's, it's like producer Steven Minza, director Steven Minza, writer Steven Minza, <laughs> it, 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 instead of just putting them all in one blob together. And uh, me and one of my friends probably spent two years after seeing that movie joking about the fact that Steven Minna is probably the greatest genius of all the time. You know, you sit down, are you in a chair? No, chair, Stephen Minna. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: Um, um, I, yeah. actually talk, I actually talked about this movie a couple months ago.
2: Did you? Yeah.
1: Oh, fuck. I <laughs> know. Start. I know Doug. I was just waiting because I know Doug loves it when he's like. So I caught this movie, and I'm like, yeah, I talked about this like two months ago.
2: Yeah, you know, happens more often <laughs> than you think. I, I think I'm I either saw it or wanted to see it back in like 2005, and I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Um, like if it was new, because it's part of like. There's three of them, and I think I've three
1: remembered. of them. Uh, this one, actually, the story was slated to be the middle part of it, but he okay. couldn't. He couldn't raise the money that he would need to do the first part, so he just made this part because it was easier. So then, if you actually watch part two, the part two is the prequel that takes place of all the stuff that you wanted to see during the crawl, and then he made like a follow-up one, which is the third one after all of
2: Okay. So that's interesting, because I they're all on Prime, so I'm probably just going to end up watching the other two sometime yeah. in the not-too-distant future.
1: Yeah, I had heard on uh, Shockwaves that uh, he had just gotten the rights back to him or something from his distributor. Okay. And so he was putting them out on Blu-ray, and that's why they just showed up on Amazon and stuff.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I, I'm looking forward to checking out the other two, because I did like, I don't know, it was kind of, this might sound like a dumb thing to say, but so many modern slashers are tributes to 80s slashers that it was nice to see a tribute to 70s slashers. (laughs) Like, you know, slasher movies that actually take themselves seriously and try to be scary and try Mm -hmm. to be be kind of set in the real world. Um, Try to actually be, like, the kills are actually brutal and not just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I had fun with it on that level. I I think uh, someone else had commented to me that they found it boring. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that if you're looking for something a little more action-oriented or whatever. But if you just want to watch a guy stalk people around like this farmhouse that's all creepy and shit, then they made a movie about that. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I liked. It's just it's a straight-up slasher movie.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll be watching the other two sometime soon, I think, maybe. Have you already talked about them?
1: No, I haven't caught okay. up on those. Sorry. They're they're in my they're in my uh, watch list, but I'm watching. All before. right.
2: I just want to know when I talk about them, whether I should say. Remember when you told me to watch this, Brian?
1: I actually almost watched the second one and opted on to another movie that I'm going to talk about here.
2: All right, but well, that's all I got. So go ahead. Oh. <laughs>
1: well, I was going to watch Malevolence 2, but ended up not doing it. Instead, I watched Death Wish three. Okay first time i've ever seen it um so we like to sometimes talk about when franchises kind of go off the rails and then that would be death wish 3 for this one which is funny because they're, the first three are made, all made by michael winter the same director and he decided well let's just go let's just go full bore with this one which did not make uh charles bronson very happy but he ended up doing it anyway
2: not, I've heard, like by reputation, this is the one that goes insane. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think there's like uh, videos that you can watch on YouTube that's like Charles Bronson kills the world because they just show clips of him shooting all the people that he shot in this movie. Um. So our 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 hero question mark Charles Bronson comes back to New York and he's going to meet up with a friend of his. Um. But of course his friend lives in this really shitty apartment building that literally is being overrun by typical 80s gangs, which means they all have like weird mohawks and uh, turns out Bill from Bill and Ted is one of the it's one of the punks. okay And they're just terrorizing all these old people that live in this building. Um, there's literally a scene where a guy just comes in, this old couple's window, takes their TV. He says, well, now that this window's broken open, I can just come in whatever I want. And just makes it known that he's just going to walk into their house whenever he feels like it. Um, So, of course, Charles Bronson shows up to meet his friend who's been killed by all these punks uh, because the old man had the audacity to tell them to stand up to him and tell them that they shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. So he got beat the fuck up. Um, So, of course, Charles Bronson comes to town, but the police are on to him because I don't know if you remember the continuity from the first movie, but they told him to leave town and never come back again, and they wouldn't arrest him. Well, now he's back, and, of course, the police are keeping an eye on him. But the police officer tells him, like, look, this neighborhood needs somebody to kind of run roughshod over it and clean these punks up. So if you do, I'll pretty much just look the other way and uh, just try not to, you know bring too much attention to this neighborhood so of course charles bronson decides well fuck it i'm just gonna start killing everybody so he pretty much just goes to an apartment building full of old people and charles bronson just go to war with this gang of 80s thugs and he shoots a shit ton of people it is pretty insane um at parts, it's a little too little too much over the top. Especially if you're watching, like and you're like, oh, I really like the first two Death Death Wish movies, so, and then this one kind of goes, you know, to eleven. But, meh, I mean, there's worse things. There's some pretty interesting thing where at the end, I mean, pretty much at the end, there is a full scale just war going on as somebody pulls out because one of the one of the old dudes was like in World War Two. It turns out he kept, like, one of these, like, uh, I don't even know what the fuck it's called. Like, it's just a giant machine gun. that like, You have to, like, set it on something in order to be able to fire it because it's such a giant gun. And it just starts unloading on all these gang members. So, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. The whole neighborhood's a war. Like, the building, I'm surprised it's even still standing by the time this is over. But,
0: yeah. I just kind of
2: like the idea that it starts off with them, like, like, I don't know, almost hiring him as a vigilante rather than just, you know, (laughs) the weird, like, coincidental situations that he's found himself in in the past.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fun. Uh, And then the the weird thing is it just ends where the police officer that he's sort of been talking to – um like the, they've killed pretty much everybody in this gang. Then you hear sirens in the background and he says, the police officer looks at him. And he's like, get out of here. I'll try to buy you some time. And Charles Bronson's like, okay. And then he sort of runs out of frame and then credits roll. And so that's literally the end of the movie. <laughs> I'm just like, that's such a weird ending. So it'll be interesting. I have uh, parts four and five that I need to catch up with, so we'll see. I'm sure the insanity, because I think that's... I don't know. I don't remember if 3 is where it started. I don't know. I know at one point they become canon films, which means they just go yeah. completely insane. So
2: we, we all know what it means. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <sighs> um, I also went to the theater and saw The Curse of La Llorona. Okay. Um, which is relatively new, which basically tells the story of this lady in the 1600s who, uh, I think, I don't know. Her her husband was like a high-ranking person, either in government or the army or something. She finds out he's cheating on her, so she goes crazy and drowns both their children in the river. And then it sort of becomes like a like an urban legend that if you hear a lady crying, like it's La Llorona and she's looking for other children to take the place of her children. So she's looking for children to drown, hoping that if she drowns someone else's children and bring her children back to life sort of situation. Um, And so we find this social worker in the seventies who is sort of in charge of checking up on this woman, goes to check up on her, and she's got both of her kids locked in a closet, and she tells her not to open it. And then, of course, she does. Take the the boys get taken away from her. And then, while they're at a care facility, um, of course, Laloona La shows up, which we see, and it's kind of creepy. And then, both the boys are found drowned in the river. And so, the mom, the the caseworker. Uh, is really upset but then and while she's there checking it out the ghost kind of attaches itself to her she takes it home to her kids and then you know typical shenanigans ensue um, the one thing they didn't promote much is this, this is actually part of the Conjuring universe uh, the, if anybody saw the first Annabelle movie there's a priest in that and he uh, shows up in this as well and sort of uh, pushes pushes the, the story along um, and basically tells her, like, I can't really do anything. Like, we can't, if I put your case in for exorcism or whatever, it's going to take, like, possibly months for this to get okayed from the church. But, of course, he's like, but there is this one guy who used to be part of the church, but he's not anymore. We might be able to help you. And so she turns to this guy to help her dispel this evil spirit or whatever. And I was kind of excited because he ends up being, if anybody's watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, he's played by the guy that played Tuco. Okay. So I'm used to seeing him running around methed out of his mind and just being crazy. But he's actually a pretty like quiet like demon fighter sort of thing. Um, so he helps them out. And I was kind of excited because I'm like, oh, well, maybe this will add like, another. Because, you know, we have like the Warrens in the Conjuring universe. Maybe this guy will get his own sort of spin off series now where he fights evil spirits or whatever. Because he was pretty good. Um, Yeah, the movie's okay. I mean, it's definitely not the worst in the Conjuring franchise. Uh, but it's probably about middle tier if you're into those kind of movies. So. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't disappointed. I went and saw it, but it's not going to change your world or anything. Um, then I had some people over last night. And we had a Savage Steve Holland double feature, uh, which includes uh, Better Off Dead, John Cusack. yeah uh, Which is one of my favorite '80s comedies. I should
2: watch that one. I haven't seen it in a long time.
1: <laughs> it's it's still so good. We had a great time watching it.
2: Someone with the kid that really wants his $2 for the papers, right? I
1: want my $2, yeah.
2: I don't have a dime on me. I don't want a dime. I want my $2. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were having a great time on Facebook today. Every people who were there, um, yeah, we are just posting, like, hey, we had a great time last night. And, of course, everybody ends their post with, I want my $2. Uh,
2: (laughs) Chasing him down a ski mountain.
1: He does at the end. He's going into a ski competition. Kid shows up on a ski bike. A bike that's had his time right. replaced with skis. <laughs> and they end up uh, accidentally shoving the kid off a cliff. It's pretty good.
2: Yeah, accidentally. Quote. Yeah,
1: quote unquote. Um, and then after that, we caught up with uh, another Savage Steve Holland movie with John Cusack, which filmed a year later, One Crazy Summer. Um, I've never seen that one. Yeah, it's uh, uh, John Cusack teaming up with Joel Murray, the one of the Murray brothers, and uh, they go to Nantucket for the summer after graduating from high school. Um, pick up Demi Moore along the way, who turns out to be like her husband, or her her husband, her uncle, or grandma, or you know, some relative lived there and just passed away, and gave them. You know she got she uh, got all their property or whatever and the evil eighties uh real estate guy of course wants that land because once he does it he he will own the entire neighborhood and can buy could build his condos, but that land specifically he will open up a restaurant called Lobster Log which sounds
2: disgusting. <laughs> it's the most 80s plot ever, though.
1: Yeah, did, totally. Did
2: they consider calling the A-team in and having them build
1: weapons that of <laughs> perhaps be in the dark. No, but they do call in uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, and, fair and, and enough. Another, and another guy <laughs> who uh, they're, try- they're trying to uh, spy on these people, and there's a there's a movie shooting in the neighborhood which is a dolphin infected with rabies, which is them making fun of Jaws, essentially.
2: Well, it's also a movie I want to see now. Yeah. Dolphin uh,
1: rabies. And Bobcat's in charge of like watching this costume truck. Um, he's like a security guard. But, of course, he gets wrapped up in, in looking in the truck and finds a Godzilla costume. And gets himself like stuck in it, like he gets in, but then can't get the zipper undone. And then realizes, oh shit, I'm late to go spy on this party that the uh, rich people are having, so I can, I can tell you know uh, John Cusack like what happens. So of course he goes there, and William Hickey is the is the uh, the old man who is the father of the evil real estate developer. And accidentally throws his cigar into the bushes, which lands in the open mouth of the Godzilla costume. So, Bobcat comes out screaming with, like, smoke pouring out of his mouth. And then runs, of course, runs over the scale model of the condo development that is just coincidentally sitting out by the pool. So, of course, we have Godzilla just rampaging through a tiny town. Pretty hilarious. Um, yeah I mean it's fun it's good stuff if you like uh, Better Off Dead it's kind of more of the same Savage Steve Holland just weirdness Uh, interesting thing though is so they filmed Better Off Dead and then they were done and then it immediately went right into One Crazy Summer then in the middle of One Crazy Summer uh, they were having like the premiere for Better off dead. And John Cusack was there, watched it, furiously got up out of his seat, claiming this is the worst movie he's ever seen in his entire life, and that he would never work with Savage Steve Holland again, and then never did after they finished One Crazy Summer. But I've heard people question, like, what kind of movie did he think he was in? <laughs> Where some random like the Asian guys show up and try to drag race him all the time, and he has a crazy kid tra- tra- running around on a bike asking for two dollars.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. See- it seems like that movie turned out pretty much how you'd expect. It. Like if you read that script, I don't know how it goes differently.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's just this weird thing that we were watching one crazy summer, and everybody's just like, "Yeah, I can see how he thought he was making Shakespeare when he was making this." Yeah, so it's just... It's one of those mysteries. We don't know what happened. Why he got so angry and pretty much turned his back on Savage Steve Holland. Uh, does anybody else have anything?
2: No. I think I that's it. Oh, it. We, had, we had actually some extra time off, but I didn't get to watch anything extra, so...
1: Yeah. Me neither. I was too busy watching Endgame twice.
2: I tried to go see it a second time, but... Uh, I had to switch from my snow tires to summer tires because adulthood sucks. So, that's what I did instead. Sounds like fun. No, it's not.
0: Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
1: Okay, so, next week, we are going to be talking about some, uh, I don't know, would you call them like department store slashers? Which is a weird subgenre we found ourselves in. Uh,
2: not, nothing's too specific for us.
1: <laughs> apparently not. So we're going to be talking about Hide and Go Shriek, which takes place in a furniture store where people decide to spend the night after a graduation party. Right. Because uh, apparently these were some pretty hardcore partying kids. Like, let's go hang out at the furniture store.
2: Like, this is what people did in the 80s, Okay. They'll hang out in the furniture store after closing, whether it's this or whether it's shopping mall. It always makes sense.
1: <laughs> um, and of course, some slasher is in the store and starts killing them off one by one. Uh, and then we're going to be checking out The Initiation, which is a completely different plot. Uh, Daphne Zuniga from Spaceballs fame. The uh, <sighs> she's like a pledge for a sorority or something. And they convince her to break them all into her dad's department store. And surprise, surprise, there's a slasher in there who starts picking them off on. Better. Nobody ever said that we weren't consistent. That's for sure.
2: We should have planned this better and done like a whole series of slasher in a, and then ridiculous location. <laughs> we could have done a month of this.
1: Uh, so yeah, look uh look for that.
2: Next week should be interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen either one of these, so I'm kind of excited too.
1: saw the initiation, but I really remember very little about it. Um
2: it Sounds like the initiation is like the worst way to title that movie. It's just like <laughs> that's not what this is about. That's just <laughs> the, the plot and like the whatever you call it, the plot device to get her into the store.
1: The funny thing is the uh, poster for this is very phallic and very strange.
2: Okay. That's fine.
1: Uh, shows a hand grasping what is supposed to be a candle but is actually a woman. But then she's wearing a pink dress and has quote-unquote wax dripping down her.
2: Oh, yeah, I know that poster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: It's one of those movies where I think the poster is actually more famous than the
1: movie itself. I'm sure it probably is. <laughs> From what I remember, like I said, we're not getting into Shakespeare with this
2: one, so... Well, I'm sure it'll have some quotable lines, just like <laughs> Shakespeare does.
1: <laughs> uh, I was going to say something like I completely forgot what it was. I don't know, did you read about that guy who got beat up for spoiling spoiling Endgame when he was coming out of the theater? No. Yeah, some guy some guy was being a giant douchebag and just telling everybody about the movie when he left the theater So the people in line got pissed and beat the shit out of him.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what'll happen. <laughs> he kind of deserves
1: it. You're not wrong. I'd be like, well, I mean, you knew what you were doing.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This is like a whole, we're back to our discussion about Daniel and Karate Kid. <laughs> Uh, you know, was he really the bully? And they were all the
1: victims. So did you hear they made like a billion dollars over the weekend?
2: I know, it's kind of sick how much money they made. (laughs) 1.2.
1: It is, like, I can't even fathom how much, like, fucking money, how how many people went and saw this movie around the world this weekend? Like, in three days. It's just insanity. Well,
2: they're saying, like, yeah, it's like, it's the biggest domestic box office opening but they said it's like the biggest box office opening in something like 13 markets
1: yeah good lord I mean we knew we were going to be big I just didn't know it was like on that scale
2: yeah I mean the I forget what it was is it like the pre-sales or whatever that like the force awakens had been the one that ran away with it because obviously Mm -hmm. it's such an anticipated movie and this one Blasted that out of the water. Yeah, just
1: which you know, it's Disney competing with itself, but it's still, oh yeah, pure insanity.
2: Oh and yeah, Disney competing with itself is just the way the industry is now. It's like if you look <laughs> at the top ten movies in any given year, it's like seven of them are Disney movies. <laughs> and this one is like one is just the company that Disney's going to buy next year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, let's see, who made the most money last year. Maybe we'll buy them.
2: Us, 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 us. Uh. I already have a deal pending. Us. us. <laughs> Here's one.
1: Uh, do you want to talk about the Star Wars trailer? I do. Is everybody excited?
2: Look, I had watched the trailer on my phone previous to this, and Not I was like, God. "All right, it's, it's a trailer. I, I'm excited because it's Star Wars." But watching it up on the big screen, like I went to see Endgame and IMAX, so seeing it up there, and I was just like, holy shit, something about it just grabbed me. Luke's voice, like telling Ray that, you know, it's your fight now, and the thousand generations have been passed on to you, and then I was just sucked right into it. I don't know what it was about it, but. And then that, when that laugh comes at the end, I got like a full-on chill down my spine. Yeah,
1: I'm so excited. I mean, it may end up just being shit, but the trailer at least has me excited for
2: it. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I like, I don't know. I wanted to see a new director. I didn't want to see them go back. Yeah. Um. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, but I mean, who was it? Somebody was supposed to do it, and they just quit. So it was kind yeah. of like, fuck. Well, somebody called JJ see if he's going to do it.
2: Yeah, he's got such a good history of following up his own reboots.
1: Yeah, and, that that's uh, kind of the problem. Yeah. And I'm kind of worried that he's just going to undo a lot of shit from Last Jedi.
2: He, he already it. is, right? Like they, yeah. he, in the trailer, you can already see that the Kylo Ren's mask is put back together and mm-hmm. so is the lightsaber that was destroyed in the last movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't bode well for me. I don't want to see a movie of them trying to fix what the last movie did. Like. Mm-hmm. But you know, if those are the only two examples, then fine. Like that's <laughs> neither of those is a deal breaker for me, um, and both of them could lead to some you know interesting plot developments. But we'll see. Yeah.
1: So many people hate Last Jedi. Don't, I don't understand.
2: The- I don't. I. But, and we're well. I, I mean, the way that I, I mentioned Endgame kind of takes what you're expecting and does it exactly what you're expecting, but in a completely different way, Mm -hmm. so that it gives you what you want, but it's still surprising. I just think, I still think Last Jedi, the biggest problem is people were expecting a certain thing, and they didn't get that thing, and that's the biggest issue. And, you know, people wanted a certain version of Luke Skywalker, and that's not what they got, Um, which I understand, because I expected that same version of Luke Skywalker myself. I thought we were getting... The Obi Wan Kenobi version of Luke Skywalker, and instead we got the Yoda version of Luke Skywalker. But I, I think if you buy, I don't know, I don't want to tell people they should like a movie they don't like. But I think that was the biggest issue was just that people were not getting what they wanted. Yeah. Not that I think the movie is perfect or
1: anything like that. Yeah, it's got its own problems, but at least was trying to do a little bit something different, which I was happy with. But...
2: Yeah, my my biggest problem with the movie is, and it, it actually is a problem. with force awakens as well as some of the dialogue is a little too modern and a little too set in the now whereas i feel like most of the original star wars stuff because they have their own sort of way of speaking where it's creating its own universe and its own thing it's not it doesn't feel like a movie from its time Mm -hmm. but what are you do?
0: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.